are listening to a Stroke of Luck podcast. I'm Deanna. And I'm Tyler. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to A Stroke of Luck. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. And today we have a special guest joining us, uh, Tim Sutton. How are you doing? Doing great. I appreciate you all inviting me to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's been it's been great communicating with you and learning about your your background. Um, if you want to just introduce yourself briefly, and uh, then we'll get into into the meat and potatoes. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Tim Sutton. I am actually retired as of two months ago, uh, law enforcement officer from the state of Virginia, and uh, had spent about the past twenty years doing a lot of work with families dealing with uh, disabilities, which I prefer to call differabilities because everybody has abilities, but sometimes people just do things differently. Um, I started working in 2002, 2003 with families. Uh, my agency had gotten involved with a program that dealt with the wandering elopement issue where uh, individuals go missing, get away from caregivers, parents. Uh, and I started going out and meet families and putting transmitter, watch size transmitters on them to uh, help in case they were to elope or wander. The caregiver calls uh, 911 and gets in touch with me and some of my officers and we have equipment we can actually come out and track and bring them home. And I uh, started to realize that a lot of these families were dealing with more than just their wandering and elopement. They were dealing with a lot of calls for service. Law enforcement, uh, fire EMS were responding to a lot of calls for service that involved some type of differability, but we hadn't been trained on it. So we were going in, reverting back to our training and doing the best that we could. Right. Uh, however, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, so sometimes we were not doing the best or most effective job that we could do. So I started to work to educate myself even more and more and travel around and train public safety uh, on, on some differabilities, specifically autism, other intellectual disabilities, and Alzheimer's and dementia, so that when the officers did respond, they could do the job more effectively. And uh, I just saw the impact that it was making on the families and the community. Uh, it's, it, I think it's very interesting when, when law enforcement, when guns and badges shows up, and they're able to speak intelligently to these families. What a breath of fresh air it's got to be. Uh, so I, I've been doing that, uh, the traveling across the country, teaching for about 15, 16 years while I'm still a law enforcement officer. And I'd been looking for a way to get out of law enforcement to kind of expand that. Um, nothing came to where I could just travel and teach full time. Right. But uh, I've had another opportunity to uh, gain a job with a, a grocery uh, company here in the Northeast and uh, work security for them. And, and they're building a distribution plant in Virginia, which I will be working at in their asset protection program. But uh, the company is very big into inclusion and working with people's, people with disabilities. So, um, so I was able to retire two months ago, move on, and uh, still spend days off uh, spreading the word, teaching whenever I can. And uh, I just happened to come across uh, one of my trainers up here in yeah. Rochester. Uh, we got into a discussion, and she kind of introduced us. And, uh, well, we had a great conversation. And fortunate for me, you invited me to be here. Yeah, and we're so thankful to have you here. Uh, Thank Deanna, you for your service. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> yeah, Dion and I were, were listening to you talk, and Deanna's mom was in here do, working on her puzzles, and she was just you, every time I look over, she was she was nodding like you were you were saying all these words. Right. And she was like, yes. Yeah. Wow. And then we hung up and she's like, 
you've got to have him on that podcast. <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate all of y'all. I appreciate, I appreciate the invite. Yeah, she she's out with uh, with the grand with the grandmother right now, so okay. she'll be back, and she she's been wanting to meet you. Well, I so hope we get a chance. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. definitely. So one of the one of the things that we start out uh, every podcast is uh, yeah, like in English today. <laughs> one of the things we start out every podcast with is uh, we call it a thought with. Um, and as our special guest, we we kind of open it up, no specific topic in mind. Right. Whatever whatever is on your mind that you want to talk about, the floor is yours. No, I just, um, you know, it, it's been an interesting transition um, from law enforcement to what I'm doing now. And it's it's similar. It's asset protection. Um, but it's it was really it's really different in the fact that your your our asset we're trying to protect the quality of this company and mm-hmm. the image of the company as opposed to being out there trying to you know protect and serve um but I still you know what's on my mind you know being here today and I've wondered how I'm going to be able to continue spreading the word I've had a couple over the past week a couple organizations have actually reached out to me hey would you come do classes and train some parents of kids with disabilities um, and the state of Virginia actually is interested in me coming out and doing a class for public safety in Northern Virginia in May. Um, but it's, you know, I'm along for the ride and through my mind and being able to come out over here and sit and visit with you all. Um, I kept thinking about how we can work with each other and introduce you all to some of the people that, you know, I've do a podcast called a new perspective hosted by Tim Sutton. And I bring people on with disabilities or who are making an impact in that community, mm-hmm. in that world. And I just thought about the impact, you know, I'm eight hours, nine hours away and how our paths have crossed where we can, you know, you can get, get the word to me and I can get your all's word out in Virginia and whoever's yeah. listening. And the same up here, because maybe people will get a different perspective of things. You are a new perspective Absolutely. of uh, why I do what I do and why you all do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. With that, I had a stroke at 14 years old right. in swimming sectionals, and now I have aphasia. Mm-hmm. I had severe aphasia after my stroke. Right. I was mute. I was not writing, reading, or speaking. I was totally mute. And I went to drive on, it's called, after a stroke or a TBI going to that program to learn how right. to drive with modifications in right. their cars. And I have now license and stuff. And I have now with my car, a, um, switch the pedals around. Right. And I never pulled over. Right. But in my lifetime, probably pulled over. Right. And I have a card saying I had a stroke and I have aphasia and stuff. And I have on the back, it is like my my name, my address, right. everything on the back. Right. And with my license... I have the modifications already on my license right. in the back yeah. okay. as well. And yeah. that's one thing that your mom was concerned about. We were talking the other day is if you mm-hmm. ever get pulled over, do like 
none of the law enforcement in this area right. would have any idea. And to them, she might right. sound intoxicated. Right. Exactly. And then do a field sobriety test. She doesn't look disabled. There's no way she she could walk a straight line like they want right. to walk. So her mom a tried to get a training people. with mm-hmm. Grease PD. Right. Um, and they they weren't interested in in having that type of a training. And it's it's unfortunate. The, the sad part about it, and it's just like most things, agencies are not interested in the training until they have that unfortunate situation happen. Yeah. Exactly. And then they're yep. playing catch up. I'm trying to get out there so the agencies can hopefully avoid that unfortunate situation. And one one push, you know, I deal a lot with autism, um, Alzheimer's, other forms of dementia, and, and under your circumstances, as well as if you, I've got one uh, podcast I did with the lady, Val Abbott, who has a book out called Pat a Pillow about her daughter's early onset of hearing loss. Mm-hmm. There's so many invisible disabilities. Yeah. That looking at somebody you can't pick up on. Down syndrome, you can look at somebody mm-hmm. with Downs and go, okay, something's a little different. But um, I had actually worked in 2013. I had a mother uh, contact me and wanted to know why I was teaching autism and intellectual disability to law enforcement. She didn't understand the correlation. And I asked her, I said, do you have a child with autism? And she said, yeah, my son's eight years old, JP. And I said, well, I want, to look, I want you to look at some of his behaviors now and realize in 20 to 25 years, he's probably going to have some of those behaviors still. Mm -hmm. And let's assume he's out in public on his own and gets called in as being a suspicious male loitering or something, Mm -hmm. and they call 911 to have the police respond. Mm -hmm. Would you want that officer to understand autism when they approached your son? And that light bulb went off in her head, and she's like, oh, I know Senator so-and-so, I know. And between she and I and Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, and many other entities who got involved, we tried to get a bill passed. And to be honest with you, what I wanted was a bill passed so that the vehicle could be linked to yeah. a disability. Yeah. Because my mm-hmm. thought was, okay, if I go to hit the blue lights on this individual and try to pull them over and that vehicle takes off, okay, maybe I'm in a pursuit. My dispatcher is immediately running that license plate. Now, mm-hmm. if it came back linked to autism, intellectual disability. It completely changes how you, yeah, you exactly. want to approach that. I could yeah. turn the blue lights off and just see the behavior of the car. Mm-hmm. Maybe it slows up. Maybe I'm not dealing with a criminal. Um, the answer I got when I wanted to produce that uh, type of legislation was from the Department of Motor Vehicles. No, we're not going to do that. That costs money. But what they did do, and it's the first step, but... There are many steps to a ladder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That first step, um, they did say, hey, what we can do is have people on their driver's license or their Department of Motor Vehicles issued mm. ID on the yeah. back. We'll put ASD for Autism Spectrum Disorder. Any ID. disability. Anything. Yeah. It's a great step. However, if officers have not been trained on any of these disabilities, mm-hmm. what does it mean to them when they look at the back of the car? Yeah. And the lady who, uh, her daughter has hearing impairment, we got to talking, she's, and she drives. And, well, and I was amazed when I did press conferences at the General Assembly in Virginia that the reporters were asking me, they said, you mean people with autism drive? And Definitely. And I said, there are people with autism driving. They're employed and working in the community, and you're interacting with them yeah. almost every day. But you can't see the difference. You might know, well, they were kind of rude, or they didn't have a lot of social interaction that's typical for them, but you're interacting with them constantly. 
I said, but if, if officers had not been trained, is it going to mean anything to them? And many of these parents are scared to death of what's going to happen yeah. to their child later in, in, in their life. And there are studies out there to show that individuals with autism are actually seven times more likely to have an encounter with law enforcement than a neurotypical individual. Yeah. Hmm. And this lady, Val Abbott, whose daughter had hearing issue, her daughter's driving. And she says she was concerned about her daughter getting pulled over. And I said, you know, a regular traffic stop, you've got paperwork that you can show. They can see something when they walk up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, when they come up, a regular traffic stop, yeah, that could go smoothly. You know, the officers could work their way around that. I said, however, if your daughter happens to be in the area of a robbery that just occurred and her vehicle matches the description. And it's not going to be a regular traffic stop. No, exactly. she will get pulled over probably. And officers will be there probably four, five, six of them. They're not approaching her, but they're out there with their guns pointed towards her, yelling at her commands to get out of the vehicle. And when she can't hear, what is she going to do? So that's why I think having that link on that license plate for those officers. Yeah. You know, I, I have, was a police officer about 34 years, and I had never had to pull the trigger on anyone, and I never wanted to. But I believe that if my life was in danger or somebody else's life was in danger, I believe I could have pulled the trigger. And I think I would be okay with that. But that's one of those things you don't know until you've actually done it. Exactly. Now, if I was in a situation where I believe my life or somebody else's was in danger and I pulled the trigger and I killed somebody only to find out they weren't trying to hurt anybody and Mm -hmm. I misinterpreted a behavior, that's something I've got to live with for the rest of my life. And I don't ever want any officer or anybody to have to do that. So that's why I'm very passionate about what I do and getting out there and advocating and uh, training. You know, I'll train anybody and everybody. I've trained uh, medical professionals. I've been to colleges and done some training because with autism, most of them are very brilliant. Yeah. But they have social interaction skills, communication skills, well, challenges, Mm -hmm. and sometimes repetitive behavior challenges. Um, but they're very brilliant and they're in colleges and people are starting to realize, Hey, we've got these students here. Um, my main focus was law enforcement because we are issued tools that hurt people and take lives. And that's why I think it's imperative that law enforcement, along with everybody else, if you come in contact with the public, I think you ought to have training, but law enforcement, I think there's a dire need to give them training on all differabilities. And it's unfortunate that there is a lot of issues that it's portrayed in the media now. Right. But one good outcome that I've started to see out of all of that is communities are taking that more serious. Right. Unfortunately, it's usually the communities first that, like you said, that have the issue. Right. Um, RPD, um, our, one of the local agencies here, had they killed they killed a guy a couple of years back because they just didn't understand. I, I don't think he had a disability. I think he oh. might have been intoxicated, but... Yeah. And maybe he also had a disability. The The details right. are escaping me, right. but they, if they had the proper training on how, how to just approach people right. in a different light that might not have happened. Right. And, and you know, the big push across the country has been CIT training, crisis yeah. intervention training mm-hmm. to deal a lot with mental health mm-hmm. and mental health is a disability. You know, there's a uh, Dave Whalen at Niagara university uh, I've been to his classes. He does a disability awareness training, and uh, he's done studies and says about 49% of all encounters with law enforcement involves somebody with a disability. Yeah. 
So why wouldn't you mandate? And that's the problem. I think right now there are only about six or seven states that uh, mandate training for autism and intellectual disability. But why wouldn't you go ahead and mandate training? And chiefs and sheriffs don't want any more training. Mm -hmm. However, I think the way the population is, with one in every 44 births being autism, you got other disabilities there. Uh, over 6 million people in this country, I believe, with uh, Alzheimer's, dementia. Why wouldn't you go ahead and train your people those problems? And, you know, I hate to call them problems, but those issues are not going away. Yeah. It's not a question of if you're going to interact with somebody dealing with it. The question is, when are you going to be dealing? Why not prepare your officers to uh, do their job more effectively? Yeah. Hey, everybody. We wanted to tell you about our bonus episodes. That's right. And you can find these episodes in three places. The first is going to be Apple Podcasts. The second is going to be our podcast hosting platform, Red Circle. You can find that on our website, dianazaparo.com. And the third and final place is Patreon. Our Patreon is where we have a lot more bonus content, including newsletters, Q&As, and much, much more. So make sure that you go check them all out. But our audio-only section on Apple Podcast and Red Circle is available at a low price of $4.99 a month or $54 a year. And on Apple Podcasts, you can get a seven-day free trial, so you'll know if it's something that's worth it to you. We are officially calling it a stroke of luck plus. That's right. We hope to see you over there, and we hope you enjoy the content. Back to the show. And I've been helping, and Dee, maybe you can touch on this a little more, helping you in your master's degree program, really seeing, because she's in disability studies, really seeing the origins of why nobody wants to deal with this problem. And it goes back to um, we in the entire world, but specifically here in the U.S., we, we think those, the people with disabilities are less. And right. it's ingrained in us where we need to push them to the outside. If we, if we just ignore them, then our life is happy. Right. And we're, <laughs> we're in a more progressive um, state of mind and so now, now fortunately, we're slowly playing catch up. Right. I'll tell you, interesting. I had some conversations. There's a lady that lived in the county, actually, that I was working, uh, Deborah Rue. With she's got an organization called Rue Global Impact. It's about all disabilities around the world, and uh, we've had discussions, and uh, they're mostly before COVID came. But she was talking about even in, on the other side of the globe how. You know, it used to be older people running the countries, and their philosophy was if you had a disability, then apparently somebody in your fa family did something, and you're being punished for it. With younger people coming into power now and, and in those high-up positions, they're starting to realize it's not necessarily the case. So there is a big push. Um, there's a Billion Strong as a nonprofit I'm a part of also uh, through uh, Rue Global Impact. The big push is to train up governments to understand disabilities and reach out and help these uh, individuals and their families and realizing it's not, no, you're not cursed. This happens. But the fact is, whether you got a disability or not, you matter. Exactly. Everybody matters. Mm -hmm. And me, even though I do it on a small scale, that's what I'm, you know, I'm working with a nonprofit. Uh, it's a betterunderstanding.org. And what we do in our area is, we try to have events, parties, and things for people with disabilities. We want to 
advocate for them. We want to teach them how to advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, individuals with disabilities are the ones that invite people to come to their birthday party, and nobody shows up. Yeah. Or they don't get invited to the birthday parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have dance parties. We have Christmas parties. I have a Santa Claus who was a century Santa Claus. <laughs> he went. He came in. I did a training at a police department, Richmond Police Department, all day training. Santa Claus showed up. He wanted to understand all of this. And, you know, he's working trying to get me involved in more Santa Clauses across the country because, the you know, the helpers for the real Santa Claus. But uh, all any, anybody involved in that needs to understand because many of these individuals with disabilities have never had the opportunity to sit with Santa. You know, he told me of an issue he had where a little girl kept walking past back and forth and just kept saying, please don't say ho, ho, ho. Please don't say ho, ho, ho. And he said, hey, sweetie, I'm, I'm not going to say it. Come here. And she came up to him, and she got to talk to Santa Claus, but he knew not to say ho, 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 because it would set her off. But so many of these individuals and these kids, even even adults, have not had an opportunity to visit with Santa. Right. So, um, you know, he, he, he loves every Christmas when we have these parties, and we always ask that they bring, you know, register online on our website at betterunderstanding.org. Tell us, you know, who they are, uh, what they like, what they want from Santa. And we've got civic groups that actually purchased the gifts for Santa to give them a gift that they wanted from Santa. And it makes a huge impact. And these parents show up with their kids or, you know, individuals show up. I mean, we had a 62-year-old lady that all she wanted for Santa Claus was a baby doll. And when she came up there and sat down, he gave her a baby doll. And she was so excited. So it's just, you know, when I was sworn as a police officer, I was not sworn to protect this population or that population. I was sworn to protect and serve all populations. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is one population that, that needs a better understanding. Yeah. You know, people you know, need to understand what's going on with those individuals and the struggles and the battles that the families are dealing with. And, and they need to realize that they matter. Yeah. One of our TikTok commenters said that uh, we in the U.S. are better with disability education, um, and there are other countries that that lock people with disabilities away. And and to further that, I can't remember what country it is, but it's still a common practice um, that if if your child is born with a disability, they just kill the baby. Right. Well, and that's the thing is I read in my master's um, a thing about going into the Holocaust and they had the people who have disabilities come to like get killed. Mm -hmm. And I, it was so sad to read that. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about. Rude global impact. They're really trying to, and I, and I'm hoping those other countries, but that's the thing. They, they've been victimized just because of that disability. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with younger groups coming in into, you know, government positions, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of them are asking for trainings to understand what's going on. But, you know, all you can do is try to reach everybody you can reach. Some of them are not going to let you in. They're mm-hmm. not going to. Um, but you can keep banging on that door and banging on that door. A stroke survivor was in... Um, the government recently. Oh yeah, he was on the news uh, a couple days ago. Aphasia. Yeah, the it was on the news ago, and he, a recent stroke survivor, 
and he's been battling depression because of the fallout oh, of the injury. Right. Going into the hospital for and, the treatment now. And, yeah, and not that it not that it's good to nobody should have a stroke. Right. It, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But having somebody in a in a position to see firsthand how difficult his right. life is going to be, hopefully I'm I'm rooting for him. I hope oh, yeah. he he, he yeah. stays and he fights through whatever he's going through because we need we need people like right. him in positions of power. And that's going towards your goals. Um, I don't know as if you ever want to be a politician, D, but no. um, <laughs> being able to influence those right. types of people because you've seen it from both both ends. Where before your stroke, you were you were popular. Everybody everybody liked you. You were an athlete, and how many? friends over the years just like after my you've stroke. got like two left that I know of from yeah. from high school because like I was like the first day in 10th grade I went back to school mm-hmm. with cut hair because I had um surgery on my head right and cut hair and I had a AFO on my leg. Right. Which is a type of brace for people listening. Right. Yes. And I walked in, everybody stared at me. Mm-hmm. And I had n- kind of no speech at the time. And I didn't say, hey, how are you? And stuff right. now versus then. Right. And with that, it was, my mom is in the shot. <laughs> oh, she's coming in. That's okay. But, um, from the shadows. <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody stared at me. Right. And, n- like, over, like, the high school, um, going into class and stuff, like, I know people, but now just two friends right now i mean so you're you're living it firsthand and you know and it's not because of anything you did it's just something that happened and then exactly and 10 months without seeing my friends right well yeah i visited them but only for an hour or two versus going into school again right with everybody. Yeah. And I mean, and you're, you're a straight A college student in your master's degree program. You are by no means not an intelligent person, but we, we just recorded last week on the podcast episode that's going to come out that talks about a specific incident where you were, oh, yeah. you were bullied and she had what, if you look at the definition for a federal hate crime, mm-hmm. this girl bullied Deanna and openly admitted it and thought nothing was wrong. Right. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? She's she's a child. She's less than uh, less than human. Right. And she, honest to God, believed every word out of her mouth. And it, it, it's just amazing that just because of an injury right. that caused us disability, that people believe that's an acceptable way to treat people. And that's why we need more advocates out there. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people exactly. come to me and they go, well, why are you teaching what you teach? You don't have kids with disability. And, I've, you know, I've got... Uh, a son who's 23 and I got twin girls that are 20 and no, they don't have a disability. but, um, 
And I've had a lot of parents come to my classes, and they obviously come in with an attitude. And I just do what I do. I, I start teaching, and when I give them the first break, a lot of them will come up and say, you know, I came in, in here to tear you apart because you don't have a child uh, on the spectrum or with any differability. And I said, look, I'm not trying to tell you any, anything different than you don't already know. You live it 24-7. You know your loved one. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be successful if you try to interact with somebody else. I'm trying to give you a snapshot. As an officer, we had to respond and deal with this. And with the knowledge that I had been given, this is kind of how we dealt with it. And then I got a lot of hypotheticals. What if this happens? How do you, and, and specifically with de your dementias and autism, if you've met one, you've met one. Every single one is different. Mm -hmm. And I think we need more advocates out there that see this as important. No, I don't have kids on the spectrum. My children are neurotypical. Um, and, but having people go out and advocate, and I would encourage, you know, I want to give a plug to a young lady uh, she's on our board along with her brother, but Emily, uh, if look up emilysbracelets.com, Emily has cerebral palsy and part of her, um, working up, uh, her, her skills and dexterity and being able to tactile part of her, um, courses and training or teaching were putting beads on pipe cleaners. Well, her older brother, uh, PJ is an amazing older brother, but she, they develop Emily's bracelets. She makes bracelets. Uh, she's actually got one, just recently put one together. We voted on it, our uh, board, for a better understanding, ABU. Uh, but she does different awareness bracelets and sells them online. And each one, they're about 5 or $6. But a portion goes to this, you know, nonprofit. A portion goes to another. But... Um, it's emilysbracelets.com. I would check her out. She's been selling bracelets all over the country, even to Hawaii. And her brother PJ, like I said, they're on our board. Um, and, and it's all about going out there and raising awareness. And I don't, you know, mm -hmm. even as, if it's something as simple as having a beaded bracelet on it, somebody comes up and says, hey, what's that? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Sharing the information. Say, hey, check out Emily's bracelets. She's, you know, a young girl with a differability, but she's absolutely amazing. And I had her and her brother on my podcast. And you sit there and there's so much going on in that head, but that you wouldn't think. And I told yeah. her, I said, you're such a pretty girl. And she started smiling and looking down. She understood everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. She might process it a little differently or not respond as you would expect, but she knows what's going on. Yeah. And she's learning to do things. And, and you know, nobody with a differability is less than. Yeah. They're who they are. And can I just say for a second that I love that phrase, differability. Differability. I love it. I mean, everybody has abilities. Some people just do things differently. Yeah. And I mean, I've got a young man yeah. who's an artist in Fredericksburg, Virginia, Joey Fry. I've had him on my show, my podcast, and with his mom showing his paintings. And he actually made a painting for me. And I'll tell you, he, he's an amazing young man, has his own art studio. He's early 20s. And I'll go visit. I actually, when I go home, I need to go visit him because I saw a painting he made and I want the painting. <laughs> um, but he's one of those guys. And I, Joey Fry, it's uh, Artism by Joey. Okay. But you can give him six or th seven things that are special to you. Tell him those. And he will incorporate those into a painting. So that painting doesn't mean anything to anybody else. But it sure means something to the person that asked 
you know, commissioned him to do the painting. Oh, I yeah. love that. Um, but there's, you know, and I tell families, I know with a lot of disabilities, it's, it's, it's a struggle. And I tell a lot of my autism parents, I said, you know, your family member is so smart. I said, how many people do you think with autism specifically were responsible for getting these rockets up into space? And, you know, Silicon Valley. And I said, be honest with you. I think if it was not for autism, we'd probably be one of the dumbest countries on this planet. And I often wonder, because I think the, word, the, the term is overused a lot, but I tell a lot of the parents that individuals on the spectrum are picking up sensory things. It's all sensory driven. But they're picking up on things that we walk past and don't even realize are there. The smells, all the sensory stuff. And I said, in some ways, I kind of wonder if we're the ones with the special need and they get it because they're so in tune to things. I love that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah. they will, they will, I mean, you could be with somebody and they can tell you what's going on around you and you don't even have a clue it's happening. Yeah. I mean, they, some, if they're, if they've got heightened sense of hearing, I mean, they would hear the air coming out of the vents or, and then you get teachers in school going, your child doesn't pay attention. They're not, they seem distracted. Well, maybe that sound is about 100 times louder to them, and they can't concentrate. So you really have to take a, a lot of that stuff into consideration. Yeah. So uh, I know we've we've kind of been talking about it in, uh, in everything, but could you just touch on the, the non-for-profit that you're a VP of and how that position that you were fortunate enough to be a part of came to be? Sure. Um, back in 2011, I actually started my own consulting business. Um, I was doing work with the county in my law enforcement capacity, and I had just formed a consulting business, which is an LLC, uh, traveling around teaching. Um, and about that time, our county actually had a one of the largest searches in Virginia history uh, for a nine-year-old with autism, uh, non-speaking. It used to be called non-verbal, but... Mm -hmm. He could make verbalization, squeals and screams, um, so he was non-speaking. But he went missing in a park in our county, which is it's a Civil War battlefield park. So it's trenches and tough terrain. Uh, North Anna River runs right along it. And if you don't know, please pass the word. Number one cause of death for autism and elopement uh, is drowning. They will walk right into water, run right into water, wow. even if they can't swim. So I had my officers get to the water as soon as possible, and the search went on for five and a half days. Oh, wow. And we actually found Robbie, the little boy, we found him alive on the, on the sixth day. Oh, wow. And I think autism saved his life because with autism, you typically don't have fear. Um, and we had a lot of searchers come in and say, hey, they were worried. They saw coyotes, bear, well, foxes. Something has probably done something to him. And I thought, you know, if he's not in that water and we've checked the water, I said, he's probably running around playing hide and seek because animals typically attack because they sense Fear. Fear. If he's out there running around like he belongs, I think there's a good chance they'd leave him alone. So we did find him five, uh, five and a half days later. Um, and, and I kept, I started getting calls from around the country asking about searches for individuals on the spectrum. And then I had a lot of families coming to me going, you know, you ought to start a nonprofit, nonprofit. Well, I had so much on my plate. Well, about a little over a year ago, I had an autism mom come to me and say, you know, we, I want to help you. We need to get this nonprofit started. And what they did, they wanted to keep a better understanding because that was the name of my LLC. Mm -hmm. But they, um, we found out you can also have a nonprofit by the same name, just it's a nonprofit. Uh, so we formed a nonprofit, uh, ABU, a better understanding.org. Um, 
I told her she needed to be president of that. She's a single mom with two kids on a spectrum. Uh, Lauren and uh, I'm losing his name right now. But uh, her two kids, and uh, it'll come to me in a minute. But um, one's 23, the other's 26. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll be vice president. And we've brought on, um, I've got an attorney on our board. I've got Jeff Katz, who is actually a radio host in Richmond, does some work on Fox News occasionally, but he's got a daughter with a disability. I've been on his shows numerous times. Lauren and Carrie, I'm sorry. And um, <laughs> so we, we, we met and we've got our board and you can go to, you know, betterunderstand.org and see everybody that's on the board. Um, but our goal was to get out there and raise awareness and advocate, teach them how to advocate for themselves. And we've had the dance parties at a park. We have um, a DJ there and we got rocks for them to paint. We have food, people donating things like crazy and group homes coming. And it was interesting because the group homes, the individuals running the group homes coming up saying, we can't believe y'all are doing this because we have nothing to take them to do. And y'all are doing this for them. What, why? It's because we have a heart for them. We have a passion for them. And we do the um, Christmas parties and, and things like that. So over the past year, you know, we're trying to raise funds so we can do more and more and getting involved, looking for sponsors to uh, get involved in what we're doing. And, and our goal is just to reach out to the community. And with my and I started my with my podcast, A New Perspective, hosted by Tim Sutton, to raise awareness for people uh, who are doing big things. I brought um, Jay Allen, who was on The Voice. Um, his mom had dealt with Alzheimer's, been diagnosed when she was 51, and she passed when she was 54. But uh, one of them, um, Lynn Martin, who's on our board, does our social uh, stuff, all the functions. Uh, she reached out to The Voice, and within an hour, they said, Jay wants to talk to y'all. He'd love to be on your podcast. Wow. wow. So I got to talk to him about his mom and his story. And... Um, He's introduced me to some other people dealing with Alzheimer's who go around and talk about, yeah, you know, as long as they can, they want to be a voice. Um, so, so yeah, we over the past little over a year ago, we started the nonprofit. Uh, I've been doing my podcast, just raising awareness, and you know, I'm still doing my law enforcement job, looking for an opportunity to, you know, get out, find something with salary and benefits where I could, you know, and and, and I, I got into law enforcement. I, I went to James Madison University. I got a business degree. Started working on a master's MBA, and I was burned out from school, 1989. And two friends came to me and said, hey, we apply with, you know, Chesterfield County Police Department. You ought to come take a test. Yeah, I could go for a job. So I went and tested. Six months later, I'm standing at a flagpole getting yelled and screamed at with a shaved head, <laughs> going, what in the world did I get myself into? <laughs> and I said, you know, I'll do it for a couple more years and, uh, you know, go do so I don't have to look back wondering what if. 33, 34 years later, I got to the point where, okay, I want to see what's next, and I don't want to look back wondering what if. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where I'm headed. Um, but as long as I can reach out and advocate for families and individuals dealing with disabilities, you know, that's that's what I want to do. Um, I'd love to be able to turn that into a full-time gig. Right. But, yeah, you know, until people wake up to the fact that they need the training. Um, and I'll tell you, law enforcement is a tough crowd. If you're going to go teach law enforcement, because a lot of it is ego. Oh, yeah. And yeah. If somebody without law enforcement experience coming into a classroom of police officers trying to teach them something. You get a many, many of them sit back and go, you don't know what I, you know, you don't see what I see. You don't experience what I, and they kind of shut down. So I've had a lot of autism parents or uh, parents, individuals with disabilities 
say they're going, I'm like, you need to get a police officer. Somebody who has been a police officer is to stand up with you in front of that crowd because it adds credibility yeah. to you. But it's neat when I go into a class and I've got 50 or 60 people, officers in there, and I'm like, hey, how many of y'all were told to be here? And they're like, I said, y'all really looking forward to today talk, talking about <laughs> Alzheimer's and autism and all. Yeah, okay, well, yesterday was legal update, so it couldn't be any worse than that. And I'm like, you're going to be surprised. And they leave, and they come up, and they're like, this is the best class I've ever had. And my thing is, I don't want to get up in front of a group and talk just to be heard. Mm -hmm. You know, if I have, a, if I feel like the Lord's given me the ability to be able to get the information out in a relevant way, that they really get it. And I tell students, if it ever looks like I'm up there because I just want to be in front of a group of people, somebody please tell me so I never get up there again. <laughs> you know, as long as they're getting it and see the relevance, then I'll, I will keep doing it as long as I can. I love that. Hey guys, we need to tell you about our sponsor, Cardinal Artworks. That's right. Cardinal Artworks is our exclusive provider of really great merchandise. They have cutting boards, t-shirts, cups, you name it. That's right. Scott and Christina over at Cardinal Artworks are amazing. They're also the exclusive provider of all of the merchandise for the Diana Zapparo and a Stroke of Luck brand. So make sure you check them out. We're going to have a link in the podcast description below. Enjoy the show. Deanna, do you have any do you have any questions or comments or stories that you want to share with Tim before we close out the show? Well, I went to intense therapy out of state mm -hmm. and they have no intense clinics anywhere in New York State. Mm -hmm. Um and I went like out of state and I am probably in <laughs> 10, 15 years having a intense clinic opened here. Right. So well, that's one of your goals. New York yeah. State. Because they have a program after an incident right. or like TBI or stroke. It's like. They treat acute, but not the yes, chronic. Right. Yes. And one day yeah, having one day. the clinic and I went to the drive-on place and stuff and having a second drive-on mm -hmm. in the program with right. my clinic right. as well. Yeah. And then one of the things that I'm really proud of you um, is we, you have your first keynote speech. Yes. Coming in up a next month. month. Awesome. Yeah. And so. Awesome. Uh, one thing that that is really easy for Diana to talk about her experiences that she's gone through, <laughs> right? Because she's told them over and over again, right? So we're working on the her ability to talk broadly right. yeah. about all sorts of different abilities right. and with all sorts of different people, right? And um, the other day she said, "I don't think I can do this keynote speech because sure of my aphasia," sure. and she in an hour memorized the entire mm -hmm. introduction to her keynote speech. Right. And it was amazing to see because if I, if I were at right now, I was like, Deanna, tell me, tell me the story about the day of your accident. Right. It would come out and you'd barely notice that there was anything with her speech that's different. Yeah. 
and she's she was just constantly worried like i don't know if i have the ability to do a speech because it's not what i know and we proved her wrong well the more you do it i I, i'll tell you and a lot of people don't believe it before uh you know in 2003 i started running the the tracking system working with individuals who wandered and elope and i was prior to that i was scared to death to speak in front of anybody and when we started running it, I had a uh, Ruritan group call and say, hey, would you come speak and tell us about it? And I was like, sure, of course I will. And I hung up and I said, oh, my gosh, what did I get myself into? So I was actually working that night in uniform, had everything on, and I actually had carried an extra T-shirt in the back of my police car. And I went and got there, and I had to go in the bathroom and change because I was sweating so bad, I was scared <laughs> to death. So I came back out, and they introduced me, and I went up and I started talking. And I finished, and when I came off the stage, the lady goes, do you know how long you were up there? I was like, no, ma'am. She said, you were up there for 45 minutes. Wow. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I am sorry. <laughs> I was like, nobody wants to listen to me. For yeah. I am sorry. I am so sorry. All I could think was all those 50, 60 people would probably going, would you please shut up so we can leave? <laughs> and she goes, they loved it. And she goes, but you didn't look at your notes. And I was like, I had notes sitting up on the podium. So I had to go back up and get them. <laughs> and I'm like, this is odd. Well, then I kept getting put in situations where I had to do it, and I had to do it. And honestly, I feel like the Lord changed me and molded me. And then I get, a, I get an invite to go to the closing ceremonies for the uh, Special Olympics at the University of Richmond. What? And I'm like, okay. And I walked in, and there are 3,000 people. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and somebody came up, and they said, uh, what are you going to say? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> Yep. And I get up there and I just do it. And I've done classes, uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigations, myself and a, a fellow police officer who lives in Texas now, Frank, um, Hank Levinson. Um, Hank and I went out there and did a class for 300 um, police officers wow. and administrators uh, in Atlanta. The governor was there, uh, attorney general, and we got up and did an eight-hour course. And now, you know, and of course we have the news show up wanting to do a story, and Hank's like, yeah, I don't talk to, I don't do that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I go get in front of the camera and I'm just sitting there talking to him. So I feel like God has molded me to be able to do yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and as long as it's making an impact, um, I'll, I'll keep on doing it. But you keep on doing it and it's going to become second and nature. Doing it and, and doing, doing it, it and doing it and doing it. And you're going yeah. to get so comfortable and you're going to sit there and do like me and think, how in the world, aren't I supposed to be scared to get up there? I feel like I'm supposed to be scared to death to get up there and do it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not big into the logistics, setting this up, setting that up, doing all. I'm like, somebody just tell me, <laughs> okay, go up there and st start talking. That, that's how she is. That's, that's what I prefer. I'm like, we're doing it this time, this date. I'll set everything up. You right. get the hard job. You get to sit there and be the star of the show. Well, I had a speaking arrangement before the virus. Right. Um, a week before, actually. Wow. And. I went to Utica College mm. in New York City, New York State, oh. <laughs> and um, it was only for 45 minutes. Mm. I talked for one and a half hours right. with, um, they had uh, OT and PT right. um, students in the class, right. and I had a lot to say. Right. Amer 
apparently. Yeah. And yeah. semi-recently she had, uh, there was a chiropractic college here in New York State oh, yeah. that wanted to bring Deanna in wow. and talk about um, stroke and brain injury and the importance of being careful in your work. Right. Mm-hmm. But the college administrator said, we don't want to scare these students, so we're not going to do that. And it's like, but this is this is the word of wisdom but that these reality. people need to hear. It's reality. It is. Exactly. But no, yeah. we don't want to touch that because yeah. it might upset. I mean, yeah. But it's well, then, okay, don't let them turn the news on. Yeah. If you don't want to upset them. <laughs> and, and it's amazing, though. Um, I, I personally wasn't there, but your, your note taker, former note taker, Vicky, tells the story. Um, when you were doing in-person classes and had to introduce yourself to the class, and it was after lunchtime, everybody was mm. tired, people were falling asleep, and Deanna stood up to tell her story. And they and not, not a single person had a, had a droopy eye for the, the duration of your, of your speaking. And you've got a gift, so keep using it. Yeah. Yeah. Keep using it. And that's when, when I listen to you talk um, the other night when we were on the phone, I think we were on the phone for an hour, hour right. and a half. Right. And I, we got done and I looked up and I went, oh, yeah, dinner is a little late, isn't it? I talk too much. That's my problem. <laughs> but, you're, the, but the thing is, is it's you're you're so interesting to listen to and you're inspiring well, because it. you're you have been trying to make a change. And like you said, the people that have the power to take a life, I would agree that that they need this training more than other people. Um, so where Deanna doesn't have the credibility to stand up in front of law enforcement and, right. and I would argue that even though I worked, I worked security at a university. Right. So I, I, I understand, but right. I don't have that credibility that actual cops right. would care about. So it's good that, that someone is out there with that credibility, right. trying to make that change. And it's a shame it has to be like that. I actually had been asked by a hospital down outside of Richmond uh, their nursing class uh, had actually asked me to come speak. Um, their president asked me to come talk about autism, Alzheimer's. And uh, I, I was ready to go. Well, a week before, I was in Dallas teaching, and I got an email from the president of the nursing class. And it said, uh, just let you know our administration here met, and you're not welcome to come here and talk about anything. They said that they already co- cover mental health issues in their training. And I said, well, I tell you what, you already know that autism is not a mental health disorder, it's a cognitive disorder, and Alzheimer's is not a mental health disorder, it's a disease. I said, let your administrators know that when they do have an unfortunate situation happen, once the lawsuit's over, I'll be glad to talk to them. Mm-hmm. But I can understand them thinking, why do we need a cop to come in our environment and teach us? And law enforcement, we're just as bad. Why do we need somebody from the outside coming in? And the information that if you're standing in front of law enforcement and you're an autism mom, your information is good information. But they just may not warm up to you unless somebody's up there who has done and goes, this is why this is important. This, and it's, you know, you're credible as far as I'm concerned. But for that uh, audience, I think having that person who's been in uniform dealing with it yeah. adds to that credibility. Um, it's just, we're just a tough audience and I think different professions, they're, yeah. they're particular. Yeah. Deanna definitely has her audience. Right. Um, she, she's going to be able to speak to those groups that are a little more sensitive right. where, you know, law enforcement, yeah. some of us are not very sensitive. Yeah. Um, but unless they're affected by it yeah. and then they really wake well, up to it. I had a internship, uh, last year Oh yeah. at the... Hickok Center for Brain Injury. Yeah, that. <laughs> and um, they, 
ask me to speak in a month. Yeah. And yeah, you're doing a for a, a keynote speech for a fundraiser. Oh wow. Yes. And I mm-hmm. think you're the perfect person to to be able to do that. I have no doubt. And walking in there with my heels. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're we're winding down. We've only got a couple of people in our TikTok chat, but we do want to give a couple of a uh, couple of minutes. If you have any questions for Diana, myself, or Tim, um, we're going to keep talking, and uh, I'm going to just pay attention to the chat. And if there are any questions, we'll address them real quick. Um, and then in future episodes, anybody that's listening on the podcast and on TikTok Live, we have a Discord channel, and if you go into the Discord channel. Uh, a part in the discord channel where people can go and ask any sort of questions and we're going to make sure that we answer them. Um, there's a lot of people that, that anytime we do, anytime we do a TikTok live are always asking Diana about her experiences. And um, yeah. So again, if you have any questions for Tim or us, feel free, put them in chat and we'll go ahead and answer them. Tim, what's uh, what's next for you in the next couple of weeks, years? Uh, what do you've got planned? Um, I've actually, uh, we'll be down here in Rochester. I'll be headed back to Richmond next Sunday. Um, I've got to go meet, uh, my daughters are going to be home from school. Um, I'm going to give her a plug. Can't tell them too much about it, but one of my daughters, we are flying on the 1st of March to Florida to meet with a record producer because she's been approached for some of her, um, music that she's putting TikToks out, Nicole Elise music. Uh, so we're, I'm going down there with her to meet a producer and we're going to talk with them and see what's going on. And I said, is this, if this is, you know, I didn't want to look back wondering what if, so if this is an opportunity for her, mm-hmm. um, I don't want her to have to look back wondering what if we'll go down there and meet and see how the, her singing goes. She's blew me away. Who didn't even realize she could write music and play <laughs> music and sing music as well. Um, yeah. Emily, my daughter, you know, she'll be home, uh, for spring break. She gave up going to Florida. Um, for a couple of days. And then my son, Caleb, he's, uh, you know, just going, just being closer to them, spending some time with them. Um, I'll keep working this job that I've been blessed to, to get. And I've got a teaching gig set up end of May in Virginia, up in Northern Virginia and Ashburn for some law enforcement officers. And I've got a couple of nonprofits that have asked me to come different places in Virginia to teach. So I'll be working, um, teaching when I can, working with a nonprofit. If anybody wants to contact me or check, has questions for me after this, um, my email is aaawareness12 at yahoo.com. I've got my own website, tim-sutton.com. And then I told you about the nonprofit, a better understanding.org. Um, feel free to reach out to me, ask any questions. If you want to talk, yeah. all my contact information's yeah. on there. And we're definitely going to stay in touch yeah. because I, mm-hmm. I love the work you're doing. And, and well, we'll get you on my show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We need an excuse to travel. Now, that I, now that I have a job that, that I get more vacation. And so, yeah. Um, the Dr. Karen asks, can you please explain aphasia? Deanna, if you want to start that out, I'll give you the opportunity and then I'll fill in some blanks. Okay. Yeah. Um, aphasia means a loss of speech after a brain injury. Yep. And that's it. <laughs> so that's the that's the quick and dirty of it. But, yeah. So what happened is Diana's left side of her brain, where the speech oh. center, where the speech center lives, was affected after the stroke. Yeah. So she had to relearn to talk, and because the main part of the brain that controls the speech is no longer there, 
um, longer there. The rest of her brain, through a process called neuroplasticity, yeah, has <laughs> has taken over to speak. But because it's not designed for that function, it will not ever operate a hundred percent, and that causes aphasia. So it's basically like for for us people that don't live with it, like a never ending brain fart. Where every yeah. word, every, almost every word that you can think of, you know in your head, but it just won't come out. Wow. And it's surprising in that it's not always the same word. And sometimes simple words, you mess up. Sometimes it's complex words. And but you, I know yeah, couple of long words. Yeah, you too. will be driving down the road and you'll be like, oh that word and i'll be like i can't even pronounce that word <laughs> but it's basically it's a disconnect between her thought process and the speech center and oh. so when uh and it affects everybody to different degrees well uh, my stroke was severe um i was no speech yeah. no language no anything not reading writing or speaking for months. Well, if you look at a uh, one of your latest brain scans, I'm I'm not even being a little facetious, exa- exaggerating. That's what I'm looking for when I say, like ninety percent of the side of her brain is black, wow. which means there's no neural activity there. Wow. And uh, it's it's amazing your speech. How it is now. So that's amazing to yeah. think about that. And, and she's gone through many intense therapies, speech and language Seven, therapy uh, to get that far. But over mm. yeah. years. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wild man says uh, your brain knows what it wants to say, but getting the message to the mouth mouth gets scrambled. Yeah. I like to say there's like Swiss cheese and <laughs> you're trying to go through the cheese and there's holes where there's mm-hmm. no cheese there. Yeah, exactly right. I'll share something with you. You just yeah. prompted a memory. Wow. Yeah. You want to show that to us? It's, it's, to your a, it's amazing what you what you are able to do. Yeah. But After you talk about the Swiss cheese, and I use that analogy when I teach. I actually, um, our agency actually had a um, senior citizen police academy where people could come, and they go to class once a week to learn yeah. kind of what law enforcement does. And uh, I got a captain came to me one day and said, Hey, you know, this lady, she's going to ride with this deputy because they would do ride alongs. Um, her husband's going to ride with you. He's got Alzheimer's. And I'm thinking, okay, am I going to have to handcuff him to me? Because if I go out there and lose him, well, he rode with me and he was able to talk to me and tell me about his Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And, but he'd only been living in the area for about a year, but we'd ride down the road and he's like, Oh, I remember that building. They've built that about 10 years ago. And, Oh, yeah, okay. And so I started asking him questions. I said, so your memories, Alzheimer's is taking a lot of your memories. And I said, you know, if I were to ask you a question, ask you to remember something, uh, how would you remember it? He said, well, it would be like a piece of Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah. He said, I have this memory, and but there are holes missing. And uh, I said, so you know it's there, but when you try to t- relay it, those holes are there and you can't tell the whole story. And, and he said, yeah, pretty much. Well, I got a call. We got a call from the deputy who had his wife. She said, I just took her home. She said, you can bring him by the house. And we were in a parking lot going through a convenience store parking lot. And I said, I want you to tell me how to get to your house. 
And he goes, okay, you go out of here, take a left. I took a left. And he started saying, crash, flash, ash. And then we saw a sign that said slash drive. He goes, slash, that's it right there. So we turn in. And I said, what now? He goes, there's a circle. There's a circle up there. It's a circle. And I looked at the end of the street, and there was a satellite dish. And I said, is that it? He goes, that's a satellite dish, stupid. And I'm like, stupid. <laughs> okay. So he goes, turn right. So I turned right. At the end of the road, there was a house that had a, a half-circle window. Oh. So we drove in. I was talking to him. It was a um, Friday night. And the next Monday, I was supposed to be at a church for a um, triad meeting with a, a bunch of people. So uh, I told the wife said, are you going to be there Monday morning? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm going to be. I'm supposed to speak. And she shook my hand. He said, hey, um, Monday morning I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to remember who you are. And I said, not a problem. I'm going to introduce myself to you again. <laughs> so we shook a hand. Well, Monday morning came. And I come in, and I go over to talk with our Commonwealth attorney. We have Commonwealth attorneys or our DAs. Or, and I was talking to him. I felt somebody tap me on the back. And I turned around, and he goes, Tim. I said, hey, how are you doing? I said, so good to see you. He walked off, and the wife came over and said, he practiced that all weekend. Wow. Mm -hmm. So to be able to see the impact that that makes, what's going on in his mind and the struggles that he's dealing with and she's dealing with, but it was so important to him to remember who I was that he practiced all weekend. Practice makes perfect. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's the rewarding part you get you know as a police officer you can go out there and lock up this person lock up that person but um you know you're doing your job and you get some gratification but i can tell you when somebody with parkinson's dementia or something wanders off or alzheimer's or autism and you go out there and that that family thinks they're never seeing them again mm -hmm. and you can walk them back through the door and the family just starts bawling that that feeling i don't care who you lock up but nothing compares to the feeling you can do is bring somebody, their loved one back mm -hmm. who they never expected to see again. Yeah. So I would encourage all uh, agencies to get involved in a tracking system. There are a few of them out there. Um, so it's just another aspect of being able to care for your community yeah. and wow. build those relationships. I love yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. Well, Tim, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I appreciate it. it. It's wonderful. What a small world. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Steph, for, for getting us in touch. She's a great trainer. She's teaching me a lot. <laughs> She's awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Deanna, if you want to go ahead and close out the show, no more questions. Good luck on your journey. Thank you. You as well. Yeah. And see you next time. Yep. All right. And uh, we are just real quick. We're going to put a link to your nonprofit down yes. in the show notes below. Everybody make sure to go check that out. And check out emilysbracelets.com. You'll yes. put that in the show notes too. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs>